0: Let me pray, and uh, we're going to look at Second Timothy. Father God, we we <laughs> we're not here for um, we're not here for the show this morning, and that's been evident. Just as I hear those who have gathered in this place um, singing out with united hearts, singing out from the depths of their heart, not just with their mouths. They've been singing to you. They've been singing your praise. They've been declaring. Uh, their gratitude and they've been declaring the unity of this body. We are brothers and sisters. It's because you've loved us with such great love that we're able to find a way to love each other, even when sometimes Lord, we're unlovable, seemingly when we're when we're prickly, when we're thorny, when we're when we're just ugly to one another. You've you've provided a way that we can love one another and we could care for one another. Lord, I pray that. uh it's been obvious to all who are here this morning that we're not here. Uh, we're not here out of pretense. We're not here uh, for entertainment's sake. We, we're here as a body, as a family of believers, uh, a growing family of believers, all different shapes, sizes, color, creed, age, race, what have you. But, Father, we're here to declare your glory. And, and, and right now we, uh, um, we set our hearts to learn from your word. So, Lord, as your as your people have gathered, your children have gathered in unity, declaring your praise. Father, we we kneel down at the foot at the foot of your cross right now. And we we open your word, which you tell us is a mirror to our soul. And we ask that you would help us to see ourselves clear this morning in truth to see the real reflection in the mirror. Not what we want to see, but help us to see to see what your word wants us to see. And father. Help us to see you clearer this morning. We know that you are the agent. You are the catalyst of all change in us. So if we're going to be different this morning, if we're going to leave this place different, it's going to be because we've seen you for who you are. In your presence, men and women can't help but make an adjustment to their course. So Lord, join us this morning. Speak to us by your Spirit, through your Word. Help us to see... Clearly who we are. Help us to see clearly how majestic you are. Help us to alter our course this morning. That we wouldn't come to this place and, and leave unchanged, but that we would come to your word and we would come to your presence. And Father, because we, we see your glory and we recognize your love for us, we'll be changed. Teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone, amen, amen. Second Timothy. Let me read to you here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Paul had given his life, you found out, so far in this series. He's given his life away. But he starts off by saying, I've given my life away Because there is a promise of life in Christ Jesus. He's in jail. He's in prison. He's in a pit. He's in the worst place he could ever imagine. The gospel has put him there. But he starts off this letter from that pit declaring that Jesus brings life. Not pain. That's not his point. Jesus brings life. And he's going to say that the pain is worth enduring because of the life Jesus brings, verse 1. So to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace. You're going to need it, Timothy. I pray that it comes to you from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, by the way, whom I serve with a clear conscience, the way my forefathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. I, I long to see you, even as I recall your tears, so that I may be filled with joy. For I'm mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother... Lois and your mother, Eunice. But I'm sure that it is in you as well. It's not just an inherited faith. It's a true faith and it's yours. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to kindle the flesh. Fan the flame. Blow on that spark of the gift of God which is in you. I know. Came through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us, Timothy, a spirit of cowardice. Some of your translations may say timidity. But here is what he has given us. He's given us power and love and discipline. Timothy, you're going to need it. Watch verse 8. Therefore, here's the challenge. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. i.e., don't be ashamed of the gospel of the life, death, resurrection of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of his Testimony of his story. Don't be ashamed of that truth. Or don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. I'm his prisoner. I'm down here in this pit, but I'm his prisoner. Don't be ashamed of his message, and don't be ashamed of me because his message has sent me here. It's landed me in prison. But here's what you do join with me in suffering for the gospel. Come after me, Timothy. Have your part, have your share. In this suffering for the gospel's sake. It's according, this gospel, it's according to the power of God. And then you remember last week, 9 through 10, he unpacks the gospel according to the power of God. This God, by the way, he has saved us. He has called us. He has called us with a holy calling. Thank goodness it's not according to what our works, but he has called us according to his own purpose and his own grace, which was gifted to us or granted to us. Not in us, but in Christ Jesus. And when did he do it? Was it was it a second thought of God? No, it's the eternal plan of God. Timothy, let me tell you how big your God is. And how worthy he is of our proclaiming the gospel message and even suffering if we have to. Here's how big he is. He has called us from eternity. This isn't an afterthought plan of God. It is the eternal purpose and grace and plan of God that in Jesus Christ, men would be redeemed. Verse 10. But now, even though it's an eternal plan, it's been revealed to us. We've seen the climax but now he has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. The gospel is summed up in the person of Christ. Here's what he accomplished. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. It's because of that story, that eternal grace and purpose of our God, that power of the gospel that I'm willing to do whatever he asked me to do, because he's brought life, he's abolished death, he's shed light on immortality through, in a word, the gospel, in a person, Jesus Christ. So what does Paul do? Verse 11, I preach, I proclaim this message, I proclaim the gospel. I'm an apostle, I have the authority granted by God to pass this message on. And I teach, it's an emphasis on the content. I proclaim, but I also teach, I convey the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's what my life is given to. Verse twelve. Because of that, for this reason, what reason? The gospel. The eternal plan of God in grace played out in the person of Jesus Christ. For that reason. Paul says, I can suffer these things. I can suffer these things. But," But here's the here's the bookend. He started Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of Christ or of me his prisoner. He comes down now. I can tell you why I'm not ashamed, Timothy. Don't you be ashamed? Here's why I'm not ashamed. For this reason, the gospel unfolding in all of eternity. But I am not ashamed here. Here's why. Because I know whom I have believed. I know whom I've believed. Now, let me break that down for you a little bit. We touched on it last week, but here's where I want to start and end the review and start this week's message. For I know whom I have believed. That's how Paul can go to the extent that he has gone to in declaring, proclaiming, teaching the gospel. Because he knows who he has believed in. Now, let's focus on each word here. He says, for I know whom I have believed in. Think about the I. It's a personal thing. It's him. It's his belief. He knows it. It's not his mom's belief. It's not his grandfather's belief. It's not the forefathers that he mentions earlier. Paul says, I know question for us is do we know is our christianity inherited or is it ours if it is ours then we have one of the foundational keys that paul had to endure when you proclaim the gospel and you have to suffer for it what do you need it's got to be yours you're never going to go to the extent that paul went to if this if this belief is not yours for i know let's look at the next word i know i know It's a term of confidence. It's a term of intimacy. It is a personal knowledge. He's not heard merely. He's not read about merely. But Paul himself personally, intimately knows whom he has believed in. He's not guessing. He's not doubting. He's confident. He knows. And so he can go to the extent he goes to. It's his and he knows it. It's not a guess for Paul. You want to go to the lengths that Paul went to for the gospel? It better be yours, and you better know it to be true. For I know whom, not what. Did you notice? It's not what he has believed in, it's whom he has believed in. I know whom, I know the person I have believed in Jesus Christ. It's not a religion, it's not a theology, it's not academics, it's not knowledge. It's not just facts. I'm able to go to the extent I go to because I know whom I have believed in. There is a person behind this. For I know whom I have believed in. Now here's the extent to which he's convinced. I know whom I've believed in and I am convinced. Based on its mind, based on I know, and based on the person I know. Here's why I'm convinced. And here is the extent to which he is convinced. I am convinced that he, that's God, the person he believes in, he is able to guard that which I have entrusted unto him until that day. He is able to guard that which, to, which I have entrusted to him until that day. If you, if you look at this in the Greek, in the original language, It reveals something here. Number one, God is whom he is trusting to guard something. Okay? So God is the one guarding. What is he guarding? It literally says, and I am convinced, able is he, the deposit of me to guard until the end. I am convinced that able is he the deposit or the trust of me, meaning Paul, to guard. Is that a mouthful? Is that a little difficult? Here's the difference. Uh, my translation says that he, that Paul trusts God with what he has entrusted to God. What is he entrusted to God? The inference there is he's entrusted himself to God. I have this confidence in this God who I know personally. I know him as a person. I know him intimately. It's not a faith I've heard about, read about. It's my personal, uh, experienced faith. I'm convinced of something. Here's the extent to which I'm convinced. I'm convinced to such an extent that this is the real deal, okay, that I'm willing to literally deposit myself in his care, in his guard, okay, okay? That word that's translated in my mind as entrusted, some of you may have a translation that says deposited. It's a noun here. It's not a verb. It's a noun in the Greek. It says myself I deposit under his guardianship, under his stewardship, under his trust. OK, so it makes sense that I've entrusted myself to him. Now, let me give you another word picture here. That word guard in the Greek is the word uh, phalex. It's a military term. It's a military term. It's uh, a term that paints a picture of a military unit or force. And it's the organization of how they would march out. Okay? It's, It's a structure. And here's what it looked like. Either eight men by eight men deep. Eight front, eight men deep, eight rows of eight, or 16 rows of 16. And it was a square. It was a box. All men with a shield, all men with a spear. Uh, The Spartans, by all indications, originated this structure, this battle array. It was later made famous by a guy named Alexander the Great. He made the spears longer and it was a deadly weapon in his hands. Uh, If you saw the movie 300, you remember these kind of images? All the shields up, spears out, rows and rows of men. The shields are locked together. That's a phalanx. That's the picture that Paul draws when he uses this word. It's a military term. I'm convinced because I, I know that I have deposited myself behind this kind of guard. It's impenetrable. They would all move forward as a single unit, use their shields, knock people back, spear. You couldn't penetrate. Spears would lock, uh, shields would lock together. There was no break. The picture of God's guardianship. It's the extent to which Paul trusts his God. I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced. I'm convinced that able is he, the deposit of me. Paul says, I have taken my life, all that it is, everything I am, and I have entrusted it. It's a financial term. I have deposited it under the care, under the battle array of this God. Uh, in, in this culture, it was a great honor and a right and a duty of one man if he was entrusted by another man to keep something, some goods or some uh, wealth of another person. The Spartans were particularly known for this. And uh, in Greek culture, Timothy would have known exactly what Paul was alluding to here. If somebody entrusted you with something that they, they had, it was your honor and your duty and your responsibility to hold in trust that which they have deposited until they return for it. You break that, you break your honor. Paul says, I know whom I've believed. And I'm convinced to the extent that if I deposit my life under his guardianship, It's impenetrable. And so I can give him, I can give him my whole life because I know him personally. And that's the extent he knows him. Now watch this. He turns to Timothy in verse 13. He turns back to Timothy and he says, Timothy, retain the standard of sound words, which you have heard from me in the faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Retain the standard. Um, Seth, do you have your inner linear there? you reading your inner linear? No. Let me down. I was going to put you on the spot. Retain the standard of sound words. That opening word, retain. Some of your translations may say maintain the standard of sound words. The Greek word is the word echo. If you just transliterate, if you just take the Greek word and you plug it in here and just say it like it sounds in the Greek, it still makes sense, doesn't it? Echo the standard of sound words. That's where we get the word echo. Here's what Paul's saying. Timothy. I've told you why I could go to the extent that I've gone to. Because I've deposited my life behind this guardianship of a great God. The God who from all eternity has set out this plan of grace and salvation. I know him. I know whom I believed in. I'm able to deposit my life wholeheartedly in his trust. Now, Timothy, my beloved son, here's what I need from you. Here's what I need from you. I need you... To echo my life. Paul knew he was almost gone. Paul knew this would be the end of the road for him. He's looking for that young man, that young woman that he could pass the baton to. He writes to his dearly beloved Timothy Take the baton. What is the baton? It's the baton of the standard of sound words. That word standard, it could be translated outline or sketch, it's a pattern. That's what it means. Paul's life was sort of a standard for Timothy to live by. It was an outline. It was a structure. It was a blueprint, if you will, for Timothy to come behind him and echo Paul's life into future years. Retain the standard of sound words. Those words are the words of truth. They're the gospel. They're words of life. This, this word, uh, sound words, it connotates uh, health. Words that help words of life. Timothy, echo my life beyond my death. Carry on the standard, the blueprint, the outline of what? Of the gospel, of these sound words that you've heard from me. What you've been hearing in me, use it as a platform. Don't let this voice, this proclamation of the gospel end. It's up to you, Timothy, to echo my life beyond my death for the sake of the gospel. And of the Christ of the gospel in whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that He's able to keep what I have entrusted to Him. I.e. my very life, even to the point of my death. Retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. You've watched me do it. Carry on. Echo my life. Follow the pattern. Don't stray. Every one of the pastoral epistles deals with the idea that there will be men and women who come and try and interject uh, error into the truth. To try and derail the gospel message in various ways. Every one of the pastoral epistles speaks to the idea of guarding the truth. And that's what he means by here. It's not just echo as in as in uh mimic or repeat but it's it's the idea of holding to that's why sometimes you get the word retain or maintain it's it's hold it anchor it down continue it on but make sure that it doesn't change retain the standard the blueprint of the sound words which you have heard from me and here's a caveat how do you retain it how do you echo it do we do it just like it's uh Uh, empty academic theology? No. He says we do it with this heart, a heart of faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. More on that in a moment. Verse 14. He's going to go a little deeper here. He's going to challenge him a little harder. Guard, Timothy, through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, guard the treasure which has been entrusted to you. If you circle that word guard in verse 14 and draw a line back to verse 12, which word would you connect it to? In verse 12, who's guarding who? Who does the guarding in verse 12? God is the guardian in verse 12. He is the battle array. He is the impenetrable force that we can entrust our life on deposit to. Who is he guarding? He's guarding us. God is the guardian. What has been entrusted to God? Our everything, Paul says. Is he trustworthy? Absolutely. Absolutely. Paul's convinced he's trustworthy. And then he turns around now in verse 14 and he says, Timothy, I need you to guard now. Who's called on to be a guardian now? Timothy is. Just like who? Just like God has. God has been faithful to guard. And he turns to Timothy and he says, now now you have a guardianship of your own that you're responsible for, Timothy. What is Timothy to guard? Look at it. Guard through the Holy Spirit who dwells in us the treasure which has been entrusted to you. There's been something entrusted to Timothy, apparently. Just like in the previous verse, God had something entrusted to him, Paul's life. Timothy now has something entrusted to him. What is it? It's the treasure. Guard, Timothy, what has been entrusted to you. What has been, remember the word entrusted, deposited to you. What has been put in your trust What has been put in your stewardship? Remember that financial terminology? You are now to form that battle array, that impenetrable force that's not just defensive, but it is an offensive force. Keep that in mind. Around something that has been entrusted, deposited to you to be a steward over. What is it? He tells us it's the treasure. It's the treasure. What he calls in verse t- thirteen the standard of sound words. It's what he calls in verse eight the gospel according to the power of God. It's the truth. It's the gospel message. What's the challenge to Timothy? The challenge to Timothy is this. Paul says, "I've told you why you have a solid foundation in these beginning verses. I've told you why you have a solid foundation. Uh, you you have uh, you have a heritage that is strong." But you know what? Your faith is not just built on your heritage. Your faith comes out of a, your own true conversion. It's your faith as well. Um, I have the same heritage. I have a similar heritage, Timothy. And so don't discount that. But it's been proved out in my life, he says. I serve God with a clear conscience. And then he turns to Timothy and he says, you've got to come the same way that I have. Even if it's the way of suffering. You've got to realize that you can't be ashamed of where the gospel might take you. You can't be ashamed of the gospel itself, the testimony of our Lord. And you can't be ashamed of servants like myself, slaves like myself, prisoners of God who let the gospel message take them to places they never dreamed it would take them, i.e. prison in a pit. You can't be ashamed of that and you can't be ashamed of men like me who stand for that. So the natural question has to go off in Timothy's mind and Paul addresses it. Well, how is that? I mean, how, how does someone give their life to something like that? I mean, it'd be well and fine if I gave my life to Christ and everything got better. Is that Paul's testimony? It's not. Paul's testimony is, listen, if we've if we've entrusted God only in this life and there's nothing more to come, then we've wasted our life. Why? The implication is, is because in this life we give up Everything. To say I deposit my life and I entrust my life to God as that guardian infers that I need it to be guarded because there's stuff getting thrown at me left and right. I'm down here in a pit. What makes it worth it? 9, 10, 11. From eternity past, God has been about a plan of grace, a plan of mercy. The story has been unfolding from eternity past. We've seen it come to life in Christ Jesus through his appearing here on the earth, his life, death and resurrection. I've seen it. And Timothy, I I know. I know whom I've believed in. It's not a sham. It's not a fraud. He wasn't a fake. I know whom I've believed in. And I'm convinced to this extent that I, that I trust him. I trust him with everything. I've deposited my life under his care. Is he able to guard it? You better believe he's able to guard it. So, Timothy, you now, you now, it's your time, it's your time. Retain the standard of sound words which you've heard from me. That which you've seen and heard me do, that message of truth you've heard me proclaim, it's your turn. Proclaim it. Echo it beyond my life. Here's the baton of truth. Run with it. Run with it. Just like God will guard us, Timothy. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but there's a trust that has been granted to you as well. You have been entrusted with something. Just as if I've entrusted myself to God, God has entrusted a treasure to you. It's the treasure of this truth. It's the treasure of this gospel message, which is which has taken me to prison. Now, I don't, I don't know, church, if we, uh, if we ever think about trust in that way. I mean, we preach all the time that God can be trusted. God is faithful. He can be trusted, right? Have you ever thought about the fact that God wants to trust something to you? That God wants to deposit something in your life. Something that you will be a steward of. Something that you will oversee. Something that you will not just guard in a defensive way. But you will guard in an offensive way. There is a a treasure that we in earthen vessels hold. That we proclaim. Just like Paul. For the purpose just the same as Jesus. What was it? To abolish death. To bring light into the darkness. And that's what Paul gave his life to. And that's what he turns around and says to Timothy, no, it's your turn. Take it and run with it. How in the world do you do that? Well, you, better, you better know. You better know. Not just theology, not just facts, not just information. You, personally. Not your mama's faith, not your daddy's faith. But you, if you want to go to the extent that I've gone to, you better know. Not what, but who you have believed in. To the point where you're convinced that you can deposit your life. Under the guardianship of this God. Um, Numbers 12. Moses is trying his best to lead the people. And uh, from time to time you get people who complain. You remember Aaron and Miriam? Um. They had their share of complaints. In Numbers 12, it says that Aaron and Miriam decided that, uh, you know, Moses can't really be the only guy God's speaking to. Surely he could speak through us. Surely he does. And in an envious moment, um, they say this, God overhears it, as he often does. And uh, interestingly, as Moses often did, he would pray. He would pray for them. And the passage in Numbers 12 says that uh, Moses was the most humble man who lived, and then a couple of verses later you get you get some words from God, and God essentially says, you know, uh, I've looked around the house, the house of His people, and He said, I've found Moses that I can trust. Um, have you ever thought about that? That God is looking for. Men and women, that he can trust. That he could entrust, that he could deposit something with you. And you are able to fulfill that duty of stewardship over that thing. Jesus came along later and he said, the kingdom of God is like a treasure. A treasure that a man finds in a field. He gets so excited about this treasure that he's found enjoy. He leaves, sells everything he has and comes back and buys that field. That's how important it is. Folks, there's a treasure that has been entrusted to us who name the name of Jesus, who are called according to his holy calling. There has been a trust given to us. God turns to us now and says, hey, um, put your life in my hands. I can be trusted. I will guard it. Now I need to And trust something to you. It's the continuation of this message from generation to generation until I draw this thing to a close. Deposit your life in my account. And now, here, take this treasure in your earthen vessel and go. Carry it on. Carry it on. Echo the message generation to generation. Even to the point that uh, if you have to if to take a hit for it, you have to take a hit for it. Uh, some of you know, when I was uh, playing football, I played quarterback. Um, I'll give you a good picture of this. When uh, when you play quarterback, every now and then you gotta you got to take a hit for the team. You see the quarterback drop back. He takes a three-step or five-step drop, and then he has to stand there while all this mess is going on around him, right? And he has to trust that these guys around him are going to keep the bad guys out so that you don't catch a helmet in the ear hole or a helmet in the ribs. But every now and then, a guy breaks loose and he's coming right up the middle and he's headed, snot bubbles coming out, full steam right for you. He's going to put his head right in your chest. Now, at that moment, you have a decision to make as a quarterback. What am I going to do? Am I going to cut and run? Or am I going to plant my feet, take a step forward into this hit coming? Because there's a guy down there that's open that I can pass this ball to. Am I going to take that hit? Now, if you cut and run, if you spin out and, and bail, that's not good. That's not good. The team doesn't have much trust in you. But if you hold your ground, step up and deliver the ball and take a shot in the mouth, guess what? You've been entrusted now by your people, by the men around you. You're willing to take the hit. Folks, Paul was willing to take the hit. That's what this book is about. And he's looking to his beloved son, his dear son, and he's saying, you're going to have to come the same way because the gospel is not going to fly in a dark world. It's not going to go unchallenged. It's going to be hated. It's going to go against the natural inclination of humanity in sin. You're going to rub them the wrong way. They're going to hate you. But it makes sense because they hated, they hated the one who started it all. How do we do it? How do we do it? A good foundation doesn't, help, doesn't hurt. Courage in the face of struggle, that doesn't hurt. Knowing who our God is, in whom you've believed, in a personal, real, intimate way. Well, that's the key for Paul. It allowed him to stand in and take the hit and write such a letter from a prison and call a loved one to potentially the same fate. It's crazy, isn't it? It's a crazy amount of love that Paul had because God had such a great deal of love for him. It's the God who, verse 1, brings the promise of life. And that promise of life makes it all worth it. Let's pray. Lord, there is, there is a calling on all of us, just as Paul passed it to Timothy. There is a calling on all of us to uh, guard that which has been entrusted to us. Maybe, maybe we've never thought about it this way. But you trust us. You trust us with a treasure. You trust us with a treasure in earthen vessels. And uh, Father, we're honored. We're honored to have the message to proclaim, the truth to echo, the standard to uphold, the sound words of life to relay in a dark world. Help us to do what Jesus started, to extend the message that death has been abolished. In life eternal has been highlighted. Lord, we, we have a part. We have a part to play. You are looking for men and women who you can trust with this treasure. Would you challenge us this morning? Challenge us to uh, maybe just, uh, maybe we just need to sit and think on your grace. Maybe we need to, th- Think on your faithfulness to us. Maybe we need to look back and and remember why we have entrusted our lives to you to begin with. Father, it makes sense that if we can trust you with our soul, then we should be able to trust you with our life. And so we return to you, our first love, who first loved us. And we ask that through your spirit this morning you would motivate us. fan into flame, that spark which you've planted in us so that we might have the courage that we might not be ashamed to take the message of truth and echo it in our neighborhood, in our workplace, in our school, maybe in our home, to the extent that we can say, come what may, come what may. Whatever the consequence is, it's worth it. We trust you. We trust you as a guardian over not just our soul, but of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Lest you think that this is done in your own power, lest you leave here thinking that now I've got to pull myself up by my bootstraps, I've got to man up and I've got to do this thing. Let me show you something. Verse 13, are saying the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Here's the source in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. It's not according to your own ability. It's what you've received. It's the faith you have in Christ Jesus. It's the love you have in Christ Jesus. That That's the power of the gospel he talks about in verse 8. It all comes from God. Verse 14, guard God. The treasure which has been entrusted to you. But do you see do you see the caveat? It's not just you guarding it, Timothy. It's not just you guarding it, church. Guard through what? The Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You have a resource. We have a resource. It's not all on us to do ourselves. God gives us the ability to do what he's called us to do. Amen. The Holy Spirit lives in you and He's able and willing to cause you to guard and retain and echo that which He's called you to guard and retain and echo. It's the power of God in us. Why don't you stand with us? We're going to sing one more. What are we singing, Ricky? Make me a servant. Make me a servant. Sounds like it fits to me. Amen? If you don't want to sing and you just want to listen, that's fine. You just listen. While you're listening, why don't you just give God permission to say whatever He wants to say to you. It's always a good way to end a service. After you've looked into God's Word, just to say, God, uh, I just give you permission to say whatever you want to say right now. Before I leave this place and go back out into the busy world and start my life all back over again and get busy doing my thing, Lord, just say what you want to say. Convict where you want to convict. Encourage where you want to encourage. Ask yourself... Do you believe to the extent that Paul believed? Is it a who that you have been believing in? Or maybe, maybe your testimony is only based on a what that you've believed in. A religion maybe that's not been yours personally. Maybe it was mom and dad's, but it's never been owned by you. It's never been embraced by you. Can you say, I know whom I've believed in. To the point where I'm persuaded to deposit my everything under his trust. I mean, can you say that? If you can't, then, then you've got to start there. Because what we're calling the church to do here through Second Timothy, what we're challenging the body of Cornerstone to embrace through Paul's challenge to Timothy, is to know God to the point that there is action Action specifically in our extending this light into a dark world. But if the light is not in you, you have nothing to share. So here's the message for you. This this belief has to be yours. It has to be owned and embraced by you. Maybe you've had the facts. Maybe you've had it in a religious sense. But but don't leave here without making the, the biggest decision this side of eternity to embrace yourself, to personally own the grace and mercy and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, to cover your sin debt so that that light would be in you, that treasure would be trusted to you so that you could be an echo in this world of the work Christ started at the cross. Start there if you need to start there. I'll be up here to help. If you want to just talk to somebody, if you want to come up and pray, come on up. If you want to grab me afterwards, grab me afterwards. We can talk about it. Church, just say the same thing. God, I'm listening. What do you want to say? I don't want to have wasted an hour, an hour and ten minutes. I don't want to have wasted it this morning. I want to be, I want to be conformed into the likeness of the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Christ, I want to be more like him. All right, let's sing. You pray.